This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the budget-friendly solo or the 4K 5.0, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. This year we're also partnering with Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is artificial intelligence for the deer woods. So basically they're taking military-grade technology used to track bad guys and applying that to studies on collared deer, insurance information from accidents, all of that stuff to tell you the best times to be in the woods. We've all got honeydew lists and chores. We've got jobs. We've got all these other things. We're trying to figure out what's the best day to hunt. And Spartan Forge can help you do that along with some of the best imaging out there um arguably the best the best that i've seen and their tracking function is tons and tons of little tiny points for the actual track that you took um, not skipping points here there and everywhere so some of the things that i like about spartan forge are are those right there the imaging is is second to none and you can check them out at spartanforge.ai and i believe you can still sign up online using code bowhunter uh, to save 25%. And that's uh, just like with Basemap, you got to sign up online. Um, all of these Play Store, Apple, they want to take their cut. So it's hard to get a discount uh, in there. So SpartanForge.ai, uh, check them out. Really good stuff. Go back, listen to the podcast that we did with Bill. Uh, you can go uh, on YouTube and see that episode um, in real time, uh, that may be the easiest way to find it. But yeah, you can check that out. Spartanforge.ai. So we are doing some stuff a little differently. Uh, we changed over our host 
And so you may be getting two episodes this week. For whatever reason, the last week's episode uh, was only available on half of the things that's not showing up on my phone uh, for our season update um, last last week. Uh, we did have an episode last week, but it, it didn't show up on my phone. It is on the website. It is live. I know that people have listened to it, so I'm not sure where uh, or how it didn't end up on Apple Podcasts. But anyways, some changes are coming down the pike. That's one of them, and hopefully you will get this episode in a timely manner. This episode uh, is one of our Patreons, Eric Killed a absolute giant. I don't care if you're in Kansas, Iowa. This is a deer of a lifetime for, you know, almost anybody. But Michigan public land, talking about the size of the deer in Michigan and uh, how, you know, just kind of how this hunt went down. Really awesome buck. Great story. And uh, can't wait to share it with you guys. Uh, Shout out to some of the other Patreons. uh, Daniel, Tim, Tom, all putting down uh, some deer here in the last week or so. Uh, We just got back. uh, Myself, uh, Frank's son, and and my family went up to our camp in the UP over the Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, did some rifle hunting with a 6, 7, uh, sorry, six, eight, nine, and eleven-year-old, and uh, I completely whiffed, missed twice. Terrible uh, experience for me, but uh, the kids did get to to have a great hunt, great camp. Uh, it was awesome. We're probably going to be doing a podcast about that coming up pretty soon. Got a podcast about DIY out of state, and um, then we're going to do that pack. Uh, review podcast, kind of just breaking down what packs, you know, we're using and uh, some of the ones that we have used and some, some of the setups that, uh, and we're going to do that video. So um, you guys can see that and kind of see how we set them up, uh, all of that sort of stuff. But uh got to give a quick plug for Patreon. You know, I shouted out these guys there. They're guys that support the show and we want to show them as much love as possible it helps with these hosting fees, um, everything that goes along with with uh, podcasting, the website, uh, everything. But it allows us to do a lot of this stuff and to try this gear. And to, I mean, I've got gear all across the country, people trying it out to see if they like it, especially for saddle hunting where it's not all that readily available. Uh, but we do do a bunch of giveaways. Uh, we try and give back as much as we can along with our partners. So uh, I do have an Everly Stock X2 pack that I just picked up. Uh, we're going to be also doing a Carter Evolution, I believe, uh, back tension release. And these ideas come from the patrons. Basically, you know, what, what do they not want to spend money on? Uh, what are some things that we talk about that they're just not ready to pull the trigger on? Those sorts of things. So those, I did just pick up another reveal sk trail camera so we're gonna throw that in there as well and i just set up two of those in the up getting pictures from the middle of nowhere uh tactic cam reveal trail cameras very very happy with them uh, we've run some spy points that are so so pictures are so so customer service is not great the uh 
the Tacticams we've had nothing but good luck with, so we're going to be giving away one of those as well. And, uh, you know, from our friends at Zinger Fletchings, they throw in uh, one of their trial packs. Zinger Fletchings are compression fit fletchings that fly great. Use them at the Total Archery Challenge, shooting over 100 yards, and they flew incredible. They're they're great. And so they just reached out to us and said, hey, if you need something to give away, we can throw some of those on there. So we're putting those out there. And then uh, a yearly subscription to Spartan Forge as well. Uh, Bill does that for us um, as a courtesy. So all of that stuff, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Bullhunter Chronicles podcast. Or you can check it out just in the link in our Instagram. But if that's not for you, no big deal. Um, leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know, know what we can do better. Or tell someone about the show. We we really do grow by word of mouth. You know, if there's something that you think someone would, would like, you know, when your buddies in Iowa, like one of our patrons, Edwin, say there's no big deer in Michigan, um, point them to this podcast and say, hey, look, this is a public land stud buck killed in Michigan just just awesome so let somebody else know about the podcast i know you guys are gonna like this one great story great guy thanks for listening all right everybody adam back with another episode of the bow hunter chronicles podcast today um we're gonna switch it up i don't i know that we've had like a few of our uh patreons on here and and you know it kind of ends up they they end up being friends so it's kind of hard to be one of those things where it's like oh yeah this is you know patreon successory but um i i mean i'd like to think you know I, eric signed up it, we're, we're going to talk with uh, eric loso michigan hunter from uh you're from maybe like the middle east side of the state here in yep, michigan central right in central they're around clear area okay um but yeah, I mean, he signed up to be a Patreon, and then boom, goes and kills this giant deer. I mean, coincidence? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, maybe that's a stretch, but we'll we'll get into that. Um, but how are you doing tonight, Eric? Great, great. Um, sat out tonight, did a, a good sit out, got caught in some pretty gnarly weather. Uh, had a front move in here, and it's snowing, probably 20 mile per hour winds. I was in the tree and got out and run back to the house here and got back just in time to come talk to you. Yeah. I hunted this morning and I'd been watching the weather all week and it was supposed to be kind of nasty today. And I looked at the weather last night and it was pretty calm. So like I went out this morning and it, it was weird this morning. It was almost like humid. And it, I mean, my, my thermometer in the car said like 31. And I think when I got done hunting, it was, in the mid forties and it was like warm. It was just weird. And then like two, three o'clock it started, the wind kicked up and it was like 20 mile an hour winds here. Just, I don't know. I expected it to be a nasty day and it, it just wasn't. Yeah. There, the weather had called for it to be rain on and off today. Well then I wasn't going to go out this afternoon because of the forecast. And then like you said, by noon, it looked really nice out it was real nice it was 40 degrees up here and so i decided to go out and go try a chunk of uh public up by me here that go see what the the hunting pressure has been like and like i said they're getting close to dark it it switched definitely and uh got pretty nasty there so got a little wet on the way in (laughs) 
Yeah, sometimes that's good for you. What uh, so a little bit of backstory, like what what's your hunting style, or wh- how did you grow up, like hunting? So, gr- growing up hunting is not really anything extremely eventful. It was you know the old style of throw a bait pile out and sit on it, not really pay much attention to wind direction or anything. There was there was nothing extremely scientific about it um hunted just around here on state land some small chunks of private that i had access to didn't really uh do too much you know shot a lot lot of little bucks does there or whatnot um then kind of got into well I, i used to work on the road a lot so i got out of deer hunting for quite a while there i just i didn't have the time to do it there and with kids at home when i did have time home i didn't get to hunt a lot only time I got to come home was basically when we would get rained out or bad weather. So I got into waterfall hunting for quite a while and then uh, switched companies, got back close to home here again. So I got quite a bit more time at home. And then uh, when I met my girlfriend, she she likes bow hunting quite a bit. So got back into it. Um, and then, you know, we didn't really have access to a lot of private. So we started scouting on the public quite a bit there. Um, just, you know, we just love doing everything outdoors there. So got into the spring scouting, winter scouting a lot, putting a lot of time into it. Actually learning how to break everything down, read the sign and uh, figure out patterns on it. Um, last couple of years, we've been going pretty hard on it there. Um, again, just trying to break down large chunks. Um, been doing a lot of water access using kayaks and canoes and boats. been doing that a lot. That, that helps kind of get away from the pressure here in central Michigan. We've got a lot of pressure. There's a lot of guys. And so it's, it's kind of a chore to get away from them as anybody I'm sure that is serious hunter that hunts public knows. So we've been, been doing that a lot. Most of, uh, most of my good spots there are mile two miles back in and either kayak back in waders or a combination of everything okay so i guess that's kind of a, a interesting progression what what led you to go like further back i mean it, where did where was that transition um from you know nothing spectacular to this like crazy amount of scouting and water access like what what was the catalyst would you say well when when i used to when i was real heavy into bow hunting before um i don't know what changed but there was there was pressure on public land but it wasn't very hard to get away from people um i really do not like hunting pressured areas i cannot stand having people walk in on me um some of the areas i used to hunt now you go out there and between small game hunters or people walking in, you know, you've got people walking in on you all over. And I just, I just had to get away from everybody. And then between watching some of the newer shows and obviously like the hunting publics and everything like that and watching everybody, everybody's been posting all the YouTube videos of the water access with the kayaks and canoes kind of opened up my eyes there on the whole different world on uh, trying to find different areas that, were not foot accessible. So 
started and then obviously you know having on it on there it made it a lot easier for everybody to be able to look at and scout so we just sit there looking at your phone and it opens up a whole lot of new areas to check out so and again with the kayaks and canoes and everything it makes it a lot easier to find that stuff you said you uh killed a lot of small bucks um you know in years past so as you go out and i know that you're friends with tim clark and he has like a hundred inch rule basically that's kind of what he's targeting um what are your expectations like when you step into the woods like what's a deer that that you're you're targeting or are you just strictly like a an opportunist where you try and put yourself in a good position but something comes by you're gonna whack it you know i uh i used to you know basically if it was a an eight point it was down but now I've, I've had a couple of pretty decent bucks, you know, last year in Ohio, I shot, a I believe is 142 inch nine point. And then obviously this year, you know, I've got a couple of pretty decent eight points here in the last couple of years. So it just kind of with, with the new areas that I've been checking out and finding, I've, I've been getting closer to some bigger bucks. So it just kind of raises your expectations a little bit. And it's, it's nice not having the thought of like, you see a small eight and it's like that, you know, I got to shoot that. If you get back into these areas, you could let them walk, you know, you can let them go and always try to try to hope or think that there's something bigger coming around behind. But, um, and again, that's part of the progression with our scouting here is, you know, we, we go out right from shed hunting in the springtime. We put cameras up most of the year and, uh, just, it's something that we'd like to do there as a family. We'll take the kids out in the springtime and go shed hunt and go scout and everything, put cameras up and then check them throughout the summer and just kind of see what's going out there. And at, you know, you put a, put a lot of miles on and you start covering a lot of ground and you get yourself on some pretty good deer doing that. So, Okay. Now, when you talk about cameras, how, how are you utilizing cameras? Are you using cell cameras? Are you... Um, are you using cameras on places that you want to hunt? Are you using them on travel corridors, on food? So I've, I've got a couple of cell cameras. I went out, bought some of the, the cheap spy points there and exactly working out great. You know, you might get a couple pictures here once a week or every other week or something, but, um, I've, I just bought a bunch of cheaper cameras off again being on public land out there there's a pretty good chance that they're going to get stolen so um mainly again with the water access and everything there that i've been doing mainly we've been hunting a lot of swamp areas so um scouting out there finding bedding out a little bit higher bedding out in the middle islands and uh, just finding some good runways coming out of there or i found a couple of pretty good swampy areas there that have i found some pretty good white oaks out in the middle of them out there just on little islands and uh you know i'll, I'll throw some cameras out on those find some good beds on them and just leave them there for the summertime okay and then our, the ones that you're just leaving out there when are you going back and checking them and are you moving them after that summertime period yeah you know it's leaving them there for the summertime um and again, you know, it's, it's not even really an area that I plan on hunting. You know, it's, I'm not, cause a lot of it there, I mean, I know like watching 
Dan didn't fault them. Them guys will go in there and they'll sneak in through the cattails out there. And I have better luck at sneaking through the cattails and spooking everything out of the swamp out there. So I kind of back off, you know, a hundred yards or something out and find where they're coming up into. Like I've got, I've got one area there. They're coming out of the swamp off the islands out there and they come up into a little chunk of hardwoods there. So I'll set up on the edge of that swamp, you know, a hundred yards from where I know they're bedding, but I, it's so thick in there that I can't push up in there without kicking everything out. So I'll back off a little bit, um, hunt off the edges up there. Um, but you know, again, just, I just kind of use the cameras there, you know, I'll find heavy travel corridors coming out of there, or like you said, like a food, um, parcel out there, like finding a big hardwoods chunk out there that's being used good. Okay. Now, this buck that you killed um, this year, um, let's tell me a little bit about the deer that you you killed. You know the one that we're talking about. And the guys who listen to this podcast or whatever they'll they'll see the pictures of it on social media if they haven't already. But but what's what's the the deer that you had shot this year out there in the middle of nowhere? So it was green scored. It was 171 and three quarter inch, 13 point, um, drop tine split G2s. Um, I would like to say that I had some previous experience in history with this deer, but I don't, I didn't have any pictures of it. I didn't have, I had found a new area that I had kind of moved in, hunted for a couple weeks there. And like, what was the last two, three weeks in October? Um, Again, it was canoe access. You know, I used my kayak, but it was mile and a quarter. Then almost three quarters of a mile walk. You know, it was kind of like a flooded timber grassy area out through there. And uh, it was flooded deep enough there where you could still get through it with um, like muck boots. You didn't need waders all the way through it, but um, you didn't have to, you couldn't paddle through it. So, I would paddle up in, then ditch my kayak, and then walk back in. Um, I was, so, so before we get too much into the the hunt, I just wanted to talk yeah. a little bit about the deer. Um, okay. Because um, what I wanted to know is, are, are you, I, I don't want to, you know, we're not going to blow your spots out and say it was this county, it was this, you know piece of public land, this state forest, whatever, um, off of this river, this stream, just park here. Um, but, uh, <laughs> what I want to know is it, was it in a, uh, antler point restricted County? Um, no, it wasn't. Okay. So I, I'm sure you follow along all of these pages like I do. Um, are, do you, are you seeing more big deer come out of Michigan this year or maybe in the last couple of years, man, it just seems like we're, we're starting to see some, some big bucks. And I think that that one is a, Oh yeah. Well, I've, I've seen some absolute hammers in the last year or two. You know, I mean, like I said, I've, I've lived here my whole life. I'm 41 years old. And I mean, for most, most of my hunting career out here, like if you got a 120 inch buck, that was a monster. Now, just this year alone, I know of at least four or five different 
bucks that were around 150 inches killed within two, three miles of me. So I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if it's, you know, them or the antler point restrictions being put on, or I don't know if it's just people wanting to stick with the mainstream media. You know, everybody's got to shoot big bucks. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of, a lot of stuff online there. People shoot a six point there. A lot of them will get shamed for it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like there is, like you said, there is a lot of big bucks being shot lately. And I don't know if it's that we're, we're paying more attention to it, like, or we just say, oh yeah, it's a Michigan deer, blah, 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 blah. But in reality, um, you know, when it it goes to like, you know, myself being one of them, you know, the detractors, um, who aren't happy with, you know, Michigan's conservation or, or whatever the way that they, we are, they are doing their management, um, with the two bucks and all of that. But if you look around, I mean, we're surrounded by, you know, Ohio, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois. Um, it, so there's no reason that we shouldn't ha- have good bucks. And I think maybe we just sell ourselves short or, yeah. oh, or, or have been. No, we've been last couple of years. We've been, we've been traveling. We've done Missouri. We've done Ohio last two years in a row. And you know, there's, there's definitely a, a, a change there in the caliber of deer going out West or going down South down there. But like I said, you know, I, I've, I've definitely noticed a, a swing and a lot, lot better quality deer being harvested up here. Okay. So you, you were talking a little bit about that deer and like the area that, that you had, that you'd shot him in. And not, like I said, I just wanted to kind of paint the picture of like, this is, this is a deer that you would have shot in Ohio or Missouri or, I mean, or Kansas or Iowa. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's def- definitely a once in a lifetime deer for me. I mean, you know, there, I have, I've never seen anything like that around, around me on private, let alone on public. And so how did you, had you hunted this area in the past? And no, I have not. This is the first year I've hunted this area. And, um, you know, I've been talking with a lot of different guys, you know, I got into saddle hunting three, four years ago. Um, and then I work with Tim Clark, you know, Tim, he's on the field staff or tethered there. So, a lot, a lot of times at work, you know, and we don't have much going on. Tim and I will get on Onyx there and we'll just start breaking down parcels and looking at public areas there that have limited access. Um, it's hard to get to, or, you know, just something, something weird that sets it apart from everything else, you know, that you can't just park at the parking lot and walk in a quarter mile to a good chunk of area. Um, and there's, there's so many areas that we've hunted, you know, Tim and I have hunted even just this, this year from up North, you know, all the way up towards Grayling or West, all the way down past Saginaw or wherever, um, that not necessarily huge chunks of land, but have very good opportunities on there, but they have something weird about it. Like I said, you got a, you got a kayak or canoe or you got to wade back in or, it's so thick you can't walk through it hardly you know you gotta it takes two three hours to get 
a half a mile back in there because you're just creeping through the edge of the bedding out there. Okay. Now, so the the hunt um, in which you, you killed this deer, you said it was, you know, three quarters of a mile or so to get there to get to your kayak and or your canoe and then get in there. Um, was this the first time that you went back in there or no, had you, had, had you scouted this place before? Yeah, I had, I had scouted it late summer. Um, went back in there. I actually went in, hung a camera in there. Um, and then I didn't go back in there until, Oh, I believe it was the second week in October. Um, waited. I had good wind to go back in where I was looking at hunting. And from the time that I scouted it, it was a very dry summer to the time I went back to hunt it where I had my camera was on like a, a convergence of three different heavy runways all crossing this little tiny creek. And I figured it was a good place right there just to throw a camera on and try to get some uh, pictures of what's in the area. Well, by the time I come back to hunt it out there, that little tiny creek went into a 30 foot wide rushing river. It was, <laughs> we had a lot of rain in there. So all the movement had changed. Everything was changed. So I, I went in there to go get my camera and to hunt it. So I got in and I set up kind of where I had figured um, got in well before it got daylight out. And then, uh, when it got light out, all the deer had shifted 120 yards to the Southeast. So about, well, I saw a couple small bucks, bunch of does all kind of skirting away from me out there. And at like a little 11 o'clock, I think it was, um, I got down out of my tree and I kind of, the wind had moved a little bit. <laughs> kind of shifted to the southwest, I believe it was. So I got down and I just kind of still hunted my way over that way a little bit to see where they were, where they were crossing the creek down more. And uh, in the process, of, I, I kind of made my way out towards a big clearing. And when I got to the edge of the clearing, I just kind of stopped and was glassing out through the clearing. And to my left, which would have been the north, there was probably a probably close to 130, 135 inch. I couldn't tell if he was an eight or a 10, but just out in the clearing, working his way out into a big thicket, just a big, it's like a big marshy cattails kind of willow marsh out there. Um, he worked his way out through there. And as he was doing that, I was trying to work my way out to a point on the timber out there to try to intersect them. And I got within 60 yards of him. He was out underneath some willows out there thrashing it, made a scrape right out there. And I couldn't get any closer than 60 yards. So I actually got video and pictures of him while he was walking out. And then he just disappeared in the cattails out there. So I kind of shifted over that way a little bit, set up, didn't really see anything else for the rest of the day. Um, wind was still good the next day that sunday so i come back in set up that same area um didn't see that buck come back out but out in the the cattail marsh out there i saw a big body deer out there and i could see he had his head down walking he kind of picked his head up and he had big tines on him so 
I just, I couldn't let them just walk out. So I jumped down out of my tree out there and just proceeded to kind of still hunt and stalk my way out there to them and got within a hundred yards of that buck out there. And, uh, he gets out where he's just getting into the cattails, picks his head up and it's probably like a 90 inch six point. He had no brow time. <laughs> so it's like, well, crap, you know, I just followed this thing out here a hundred and some yards in the middle of this marsh and my boots are full of water and everything. And so I, uh, I kind of went back to my setup back there. And, uh, again, the, the winds kind of one switching around out there. Um, the wind had started coming straight out of the South and there was a block of timber down in the South that I had been wanting to check out. So I just kind of packed all my stuff up and worked my way down to that timber. Um, I get down towards the edge of the timber and I just, I would go 20, 30 yards, sit down behind some of that willow brush and just start glassing in the process. I get down to the edge of that timber and in there, I bump a doe. She jumps and runs like 40 yards, stops, and then just kind of walks off. Well, she gets back in there a little bit and she picks up just a huge buck, stands up out of his bed and starts following her. So I, I backed off out there, watched both of them work off through the timber, um, pull up my onyx, kind of get an idea where they're going. Well, that, that timber was all flooded in the middle. You could see it was a little bit higher. And then off to the east, about a half mile, there's a cornfield over there. So I backed out, went way out and around. The wind wasn't great to try to set up on it. So I just backed off and set up, kind of did an observation sit for the rest of the night. Um, saw probably a 110-inch eight-point pushing does around out there. Um, that was about it for that night. The next morning, the wind was totally wrong to hunt that area. So I stayed home, but uh, they were calling for 10, 11 o'clock for the wind to switch from the southwest to the east northeast which was perfect for that area so i just stayed home kind of took care of the animals and chores and whatnot made my way over there real slow and then because for, for my house it's over hour and a half for me to get over there so got back in there and that spot i have to kayak a mile and a quarter in and then it was almost three quarters of a mile walk through that timber and up to get out kind of the air. So I get out, still hunt my way through there. And it took, yeah, I, I think it was almost two hours for me to get back in there because I knew those deer were batted up through that timber. So I just worked my way real slow, kept an eye on the wind, made sure the wind was good. Got back to where I thought those deer were coming out of the timber towards that corn. There was scrapes and rubs everywhere any tree in there that was within eight foot of the ground had a scrape underneath it hmm. so obviously you know the, the sign is there and it was all fresh so i i just kind of worked my way out there probably half an hour glass and everything make sure nothing was in there snuck in got set up just inside of the timber a little bit in the middle of i think there was three good runways coming all out converging right there and uh set up oh, i think it was 2 30 i got in there i didn't see a single deer in there until 6 30. um again that timber was pretty flooded so it was the deer that i had been seeing in there you couldn't hear them they didn't hardly make any noise they were they're silent we're moving through that timber so i'm up in my tree up there and uh 
I had to get real high up. I was up 32 feet, but, uh, yeah, I was up, I was up pretty high. Um, on the way up the tree there, I had dropped some milkweed and, uh, when I was at about 20 foot, I drop it and the milkweed would go down, hit the ground. It would blow away good, make about 20 yards and it would swirl right back into the timber. So I went up, maxed out my, uh, my gear hoist here. So I know I was over 30 and, uh, got up else and well, I got up over 30 foot that milky to go out and just stovepipe and go straight up so I set up up in the tree um what was it like 6 30 I hear that I hear something out there in the timber I turn and look and that buck standing out there at 40 yards um made no noise no nothing he come up to 18 yards kind of got to the edge of a, a little opening out there and it was real thick. I ended up having to turn and do a strong weak side shot. I had to actually roll all the way to my left side. He come out 18 yards there and uh, gave me a good shot. Got a heart and lung shot and he ran out 40 yards piled up. And so then what do you do? I mean, <laughs> so you're, 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 two miles from, from anywhere, uh, in the, and now you've shot this big buck and did you think it was the one that you had seen the other day? No, actually, um, the one that I believe it or not, the one that I had seen was, I, I think he was bigger than this one. Okay. So, so yeah, you, you, you shoot this, this deer that, uh, you know, as you said, is a, you know, somewhat of a once in a lifetime deer. And now you're out here way back. And that's one of the, you know, the conversations that I've had with, you know, guys that, that, that I hunt with, it's like, you know, you, you go into those spots and especially if you're by yourself, it's like, well, what do you do when you shoot one? Or, or yeah. I was also thinking with that, with that six point there that you had stocked up on, I was thinking of that while you were, um, telling that story um does that enter your mind then uh how big it has to be to shoot one or because you saw that that giant in there the other day is that what you were hunting specifically being being that far back i i knew it was going to be a chore getting them out so i i wasn't going to shoot anything smaller it was it was going to have to be something pretty big to get worked out of there okay but I had I had planned on quartering them up and getting them out. There's no way I could do that by myself out of there. Um, and then, like I said, you know, being so far back, I had game bags and everything all back at my kayak. Everything I was ready to do it. Um, but when I shot him, um, you know, like I said, I heard him. He ran less than forty yards. He, I think he was like 52 yards is where he piled up and died, but he was back in the brush. So I heard him run off. Um, you know, I kind of sat down there, hung on my saddle for a minute, kind of got collected a little bit and, uh, took a video there of my knockdown there flashing and sent it to my buddy, Tim and John there. And, uh, he's like, dude, no way. What'd you get? No, that's all I sent him was just drop time. He's like, no way. The first thing he says, do you need help? It's like, man, you know, I'm, an hour and a half almost two hours away from him and uh you know it's like i'm not gonna ask you to come out here and get into this mess that i got going but you know he he 
he loves that stuff. You know, that's, we, we both just get off on it. So I told him, I'm like, dude, if you want to come help, you're more than welcome to go. I would appreciate it. So then in the process, he, uh, he picked up our other buddy, John, and, uh, he grabbed their canoe and he's got a canoe with a little three horse motor, a little gas motor on it. And they buzzed down there. Um, and the, I, I was out there waiting with the deer. I sat there for over two hours, but, uh, as soon as I shot that deer and went down and started gutting it, freaking coyotes started lighting up. I wasn't going to run all the way back to the kayak back there because I sat there and waited for them for, like I said, it was two hours, at least two hours till they come back and we drug that thing back and then ended up uh, throwing it in their, in their canoe with them because they had the motor. But, uh, it took us from the time I shot until the time we got back. I think it was 1 a.m. when we got back to the trucks, got them loaded up and headed home. <laughs> Well, that, it was pouring rain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a good thing you made a good shot on him then. Oh yeah. Yep. But it was it was awesome. Is that those hunts like that are just awesome. You know, like I said, I've I've shot some pretty good pretty good bucks. That buck I got in Ohio last year was just you know, nothing spectacular. He come out of the come out of the brush and I shot him. You know, it was no bit no good story about it. <laughs> but this this whole story, the whole event thing was just awesome. The way that it all came together, and Tim and John coming out to help, and just getting the getting that share that with my buddies, that was the best part. So, thinking about the the area that you were in and the the actual setup itself um, for those deer. Um, why were those deer back in there? So first of all, you know, like I said, it's all flooded back in there and it's thick and it's, it's so hard to get back in there. I don't think there's a lot of pressure on them. And then the other thing I, I had been kind of poking around up there when I was up there looking around, um, none of the oaks had any acorns on them, which was it was weird. It was odd for me you know, to get in there and find all these oaks that in there with no acorns. So I don't know if they were bedded back up in there to get away from the pressure or if they were back in there because that was the only standing cornfield anywhere close and they were feeding on it. So I, I'm not sure exactly why they were all back in there so thick, but I think it was a combination of both those factors or Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I say, I always try and frame these from the, from the listener's perspective. So, you know, if we can help somebody kind of put the pieces together, you know, where they're at, um, well, hell, even for me, like I want to know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, you know, I'm not killing deer like that by any means. Um, I thought it was interesting that you said you went up, you just kept going up, um, to get out of the that scent stream what setup are you using for um are you one sticking standing uh uh you know are you using a platform yeah, no. and sticks or yep no i'm i'm one stick and i want totally one stick this year just for instances like that you can get as high as you want with it you know um and then going so far back in you know and you start going in two miles it's it just cuts down on your bulk so much on what you're carrying 
still, um, you know, I've, I've used a, just a one stick setup there and my predator platform and then a phantom saddle there going as light as I can. Okay. Yeah. One sticking to me is still, um, still one of those things where it just seems like so much movement and, and things. And, you know, I, I noticed, you know, we got one of those, uh, those mini, mini climbers from, uh, Baron Ridge tree stands. They sent us one to mess with, and I'm going up to the UP here, uh, over Thanksgiving and going to have some time in between hunts up there to, to kind of fool around with it. And, you know, a lot of the guys are asking uh, from that perspective, like, why would you use that or uh, whatever? And it kind of goes to the one sticking thing where, you know, I think that that set up, my brother-in-law were, and I were talking about it on a on the mini climber or the lone wolf seat or whatever is for a guy that is comfortable hunting where he's hunting out of a climber you know there's pole trees you know he's yeah. he's not trying to push in you know right up against bedding or hunt these weird dan in fault trees or whatever um but he just doesn't want the bulk right yeah um, see it's that's the thing like I I had a lone wolf hand climber that I had bought and that's the only problem with them is I like to hunt big clumps of maples or oaks, you know, or like you said, those Danding fault, the big gnarly, nasty trees, you know, the trunks that are six, seven foot around and then big splits on them. And so the, the climber just doesn't work for me. And then with that, that one stick set up, I kind of, kind of modify i don't do the traditional one stick there from doing 20 years of construction i got bad knees and they just between my knees and my lower back i can't i can't efficiently hang from my tether and move my stick so i'll i'll put i use a, a one of the mini shikar sticks with a three-step amsteel aider mm-hmm. and i'll hang that as high as you can flip it i can hang that climb to the top of my stick and and I put my predator platform 90 degrees right at the top of the stick, climb onto my platform, then just reach down, grab my um, stick. And then I can move that up, just leapfrog that up. And with putting that platform up there on the top, that enables me, I can almost get seven foot, maybe plus or minus seven foot per move. And then I'm comfortably on my platform while I'm moving, not hanging from a rope. So in doing that, I can get up the tree very, very quietly um, with not a lot of movement, you know, especially, you know, with a, that's the nice thing about the saddle hunting there is you're on the backside of the tree. So if you have a, a big enough tree and you just, you're not, you know, flipping ropes and buckles and, flailing around trying to go up the tree you can very very slowly and quietly work your way up the tree so that's that's one of the major lessons i like of the one sticking compared to a climber man we're getting into some like we're answering some questions here because like (laughs) you know that's always one of the things i know there's a guy michigan guy he was at the the that genesis 3d thing and i'm met him in detroit as well chris coon yeah but chris coon he's killed a bunch of deer um big deer one sticking um 
over this year and I think the end of last year as well. And, uh, you know, so to get you on here and, and have you have killed that one um, out of a, one sticking setup because everybody, I mean, me included, um, says, well, it's, you know, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot going on. There's a whole bunch of whole bunch of things. Um, it just doesn't seem reasonable. And so now here we've got an example of someone doing it. Now, have you set up, um, uh, you said you set up on like a couple of different runways here. Um, have you set up and had success, uh, seeing deer, or maybe just not the deer that you want close to bedding, like setting up real close on those edges or, or are you always setting up? a little bit back because it is because of the thickness of the stuff like you mentioned earlier. No, it's just, it just depends on, you know, where, where I'm hunting at. Like I said, in some, some of the spots like these ones around that I've been hunting lately there, I can't get close enough to them without making a, a lot mm-hmm. of noise. You know, it's, it's such deep clay muck that it's just, it's a struggle to do it. And it's not, it's not really the way I want to get in there. So, you know, I've, I've got a couple of spots there where you're within 80 yards setting up. Um, it's thick enough brush that you got enough cover to do that. And, uh, you know, again, depending on the wind there, but, um, you know, and then some spots you have to back off a little bit. Yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, because that's the, that's the one sticking thing. Oh, there's too much movement. There's, you know, for the, and everybody frames it in the, in the way that, that they're the only, and I, like I said, I'm going to put myself in this group because I think like, you know, there's no way. And I don't think it's because I'm setting up that close. I just think that I'm that like clumsy or like yeah. lanky or whatever. Like I don't have that attention to detail, I guess. Oh, um, it's, it's a lot of practice to do that. <laughs> it takes it you know, all summer long. I probably three times a week, I'm up in a tree out here in my yard, just, you know, setting up, climbing all the way up, setting up. And then shoot, I'll shoot a couple rounds out of it out there and I'll have my kids run my arrows back and forth out there. And so I could take a couple shots and then I'll tear it all back down, all the way back down, repel all the way down. So, you know, just getting a system down and, you know, getting smooth at it is the biggest thing. Um, we, we just got back, we spent seven days down in Southern Ohio and the one morning I got out super early out there and, uh, went in just uh with a dim green light got in got up in my tree got all set up in my tree up there and it starts getting daylight i had an entire flock of turkeys all the way around me <laughs> so i didn't even spook them out of there you know it was but i knew you know the, the deer that i was hunting down there were on a finger ridge down you know i i suspected they were within 100 yards of me down there so i i tried to go as early and as so it's it's definitely doable you know it's it's just takes practice being comfortable doing it and knowing how to do it without you know without banging your platform or your sticks or anything or making noise awesome like yeah everybody says like i was gonna say you know you can't you can't you can't get as close as i want to get you can't you can't get the trees that i want to do what about limbs what about this and you know, it sounds like maybe just like anything else with, you know, going, you know, full stop and committing and just, 
uh, ultimately what I hear in there is, is practice, um, by doing it, that that's just the way that you hunt. You don't think about like, Oh, if I just had this or I just had that. Right. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of times where I would like to be closer, but again, you know, I, I know that just like in the, in the areas that I hunt, I know if I try to get closer, I'm just going to blow the deer out. So it's, it's a risk and reward and it's not worth the risk for me to try to get that close in there. You know, I mean, I'm still, still close enough in there where it's very, it could be a very good chance that I could have a shot at that deer and kill him without kicking them out. You know, it's, I'm not going to do a, a Joe Renamester there and set up at two o'clock in the morning and shoot him out of his bed, you know, mm-hmm. the next morning, but mm-hmm. so, so I guess what's the next step for you then? I mean, it, did you run back in there and put up a bunch of cameras trying to verify that that other bigger buck is still in there alive? Are you still hunting him or, or what's, what's going on? No, there? I actually, I haven't been back in there is not long after that is when we ended up going, we went down to Ohio and I've been kind of hunting around here. So, and then of course, rifle season. So I'm not sure what, what pressure there is going on in there. Um, I would, I would like to try to get back over there in late season, but again, the, the problem, that's another problem you, you look into with water access is stuff starts icing up. You start getting even skim ice and it's just loud as hell trying to get back in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a spot by my house out here that I have to go. I'm going to end up going and getting my canoe out of there. And I got a cell cam back in there. It's the, the overnight lows are looking like they're going to start dipping down under freezing. And once that freezes out in there, I can't, can't get back in there. So it could be right now. It might not be until the middle of December. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I didn't really think about, that style have you um so from the i guess it would be private up there with the with the cornfields have you driven around to that side to see if that corn's down if you can you know yeah it's it's all down now so have you looked to see like out in that field or did any spotlighting before gun season to see i mean i i i guess i just think about like Everybody, every time, doesn't matter, like, you've killed the deer of a lifetime. And the question is always now, what's next? And <laughs> to, to know that there's, a, you know, a bigger one in there with, you know, same genetics or whatever, um, in an area where, you know, you found that they are able to get that big or grow that old. Um, man, it just seems like I would want to be making sure or pounding out to make sure that that deer lived or verifying maybe that he didn't going to all the buck poles in that, that area. You'd hear about it. It sounds like, oh yeah, no, you'd, you would definitely see him. He'd be on Michigan buck pole. He'd be on every page there. (laughs) Um, I, I definitely am playing. I want to get back over there. Um, just between work and then the Ohio trip there. Like I said, we did a seven day trip down there and then, uh, 
been hunting around here this weekend. We had my girlfriend's nephew at home over here with us trying, we trying to get him on a deer. So it's, it's just been tough to get back over that way. And like I said, it's, it's over an hour and a half to get back over there. And we, uh, between my girlfriend and I, we got five kids, so we're pretty busy at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Well, just send me a yeah. pin. I'll go put a cell cam in there for you. All right. I'll, I'll keep, <laughs> I'll keep right. you up to date. Um, no, man, that's awesome. And I think the story is almost, I mean, you obviously put in a lot of work with, with scouting and, and practice and, and f- figuring it out and everything kind of went right. But I think to go in and, you know, never have seen a deer before, just knowing that there's big ones in there. I think in today's day and age, with all of the cameras and with the naming of deer and, um, <laughs> you know, we, we talk to guys like, like Jake Bush, right. Who does all of the scouting and has all of this data, you know, Andy May's got all of this data and there's deer that they've seen year over year. And for myself, I don't have that kind of, I don't know if it's, I guess I don't prioritize, killing big deer in that same manner. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that th- those guys are definitely on a whole whole nother level from from what I've got. You know, I I would love to have the time to put into that and everything, but like I said, just I just don't have the time to put into it to be able to do that all the time. I mean I I'd put as much scouting scouting's the biggest thing. You know, I put as much time into scouting as I could. Um but, you know, again, with having a pretty large family there, it's, you know, kids sports and school and then work and all the events for the family there really, really kind of puts it, puts a dampener on it. Yeah. I think though, like you're, that's the story here is, is just so great for, you know, the guys like us that really you know, try to put in as much work as we can, but at the same time, like you just get into an area where you're like, I know that there's going to be big deer in here. And then, you know, when it manifests itself, it's like, man, I I am doing it right. And I didn't need to do everything extra and put, put extra, you know, all, everything that you had done, be it uh, half of what you wished you could have or not, paid off in a in a huge way um and i think that that's that's just as reassuring for guys that don't have the amount of time you know they're trying to do what they love and and balance it between real life right yeah yeah see that's so like i said i i got into saddle hunting three four years ago and in my mind that that is one of the biggest contributors to it just being so mobile you know like i said you know i i saw that that big buck out in the field out there and within five minutes i'm on the ground and going you know i'm going after him no stand no sticks to be messing around with everything i've got right on my back you know and i mean that that's made a huge huge difference from how i used to hunt just you know full set of sticks you know five six lone wolf sticks and a lone wolf stand and everything and you just sit in it all night long and you know that's your setup and now I've been, I've been trying to do a lot of, a lot more run and gun. You know, everybody 
gives me crap. They're like, Oh, I haven't your ADD kicked in or something. <laughs> You're out of the stand and on the run. It's like, yeah, but you know, I mean, you know, that buck that's out there in the marsh out there, he's headed off. You know, if I can, if I can follow him out there 200 yards and watch him bed, you know, and if the wind's right and the area's right, you might be able to make a move on him, you know? And so I've, I've just been, been trying to do a lot more aggressive hunting at, and you know it, a prime example there you know I, of course everybody's watched the hunting public guys and you watch them they've evolved so much in the last couple of years where they went from having full muddy stands and sticks and everything and everything was up in the tree now you almost hardly ever see them in a tree they're on the ground being super mobile aggressive and it works so i'm, I'm really digging that you know i i shot a nice buck out here behind my house couple of years ago in uh, a standing dry bean field that was tending a uh, doe and i one of my best hunts that i've ever done you know it was it was super involved it was a technical hunt it was fun you know and he, he wasn't a huge buck i think he was 110 inches but just to see the buck and make the move that i did on him and make my way all the way out through there and you know, he, he's in a not even waist high dried bean field. It's like that. Usually you look at it and it's like, that's, that's impossible. There's no way to shoot him. But, you know, I just tried to do it and it's like, holy crap, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I got him hanging on the wall now too. And it was kind of an eye opener. That was, what was that? Three years ago. So it's like, you know, you, you, don't think that it's not doable. You know, it's like anything's doable if you do it right. Well, it's also not doable. I mean, it is not doable if you don't try, right? Yeah, so. exactly. So, that's, so, and again, you know, I mean, I I have a pretty limited time on hunting. So, you know, instead of sitting in the tree and watching this deer walk out of my life, you know, a lot of times anymore, if if there's a chance if the wind's right and the setup's right, you know, I might get down and go after them, you know, six times out of ten now. So it's just I don't have enough time to just watch every deer walk away anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and one of the things you said there with the with the one sicking, and I know John, it's like the bane of his existence too. Uh, but I'm I'm starting to really despise the the packing up at the bottom of the tree. Um, yeah. and that's, you know, Tim always talks about, and everybody looks at the one sticking of like, Oh, it's fun to repel out of the tree. But the other part of that is you don't have, you have way less things to pack up. Yeah. Um, and you can be, you can make that move a lot, a lot quicker than you could with, like you said, the, four or five lone wolf sticks or, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever is your fancy. Um, and, and one thing, you know, one of the things too, the difference, I think, you know, when you talk about the hunting public and people hunting from the ground, I was hunting from the ground today. And one of the things that I didn't, I was in like a big CRP field along this ditch and uh, I picked the wrong creek crossing and had some deer cross down from me. And I had, it's funny you'd mentioned the turkeys. I had a bunch of turkeys right up above me today as well. But those deer in that 
tall grass in the CRP when I was hunting, you know, a hundred yards away when I could watch, you know, just watch them. I could look down on them in that CRP. Well, when you're at eye level or when you're yeah. in that grass, you know, deer aren't very tall. So, yeah. You just see the tops of their head and the ears half the time. Yep. And so I got down to kind of figure it would not got down when I was done hunting. I, I walked along this berm trying to figure out what was going on and I found the other crossing and I took two steps onto the one side and the deer stood up, two deer stood up about 10 feet from me and yeah. took off. And I never saw those deer and they were less than a hundred yards away from me Yeah, all morning. And, uh, it, you know, to, and I was like, well, that was, that was pretty wild. Um, <laughs> and it, you know, just thinking about all of that stuff, because, you know, you, there's going to be guys that can say, well, you know, you can just hunt off the ground like the hunting public do. But those guys are really good, and they have a lot of, again, just like your one-sticking practice of yeah. walking around and spotting these deer before the deer see them. Uh, yeah. That's one of the things that they're really good at. But, I mean, I I don't know how many years they've been, been doing it prior, uh, but you also don't know how many times, you know, what, what doesn't make the the video of how many times they get busted or, oh, or whatever, you know, and they do a pretty good job of, you know, showing when it doesn't go right. But, um, you know, that's, that's something that we don't, don't take into account is, you know, those guys fail too. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but like you said though, you know, it, it's never going to happen if you don't try it, you know, it, sometimes you fail and then one time you'll succeed. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's fun. Yeah. I, I got to give a, 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 another thing, like a shout out to one of our listeners, Chad, he shot a buck last year and it was the exact same thing as he was on the ground. And, uh, he said, you know, this is never going to happen. It's never going to happen for me. And all these series events played out and now he's, you know, I think he was like 30 yards away from this buck on the ground and uh, he, he ended up shooting him, and the deer ran over there and died. And he's like, that never happens to me. Yeah. Like, and it, it's it's just one of those things. If, if you don't try, and if you don't try, and even then you don't get a chance to fail and learn yeah. or, or see, you know, why the deer was there or what you could have done differently. Um, you could, I mean, you could have, whether you saw that deer from your house or wherever you were wherever you first spotted that deer, you could have stayed right there all day long and just watched them. Yeah. And the worst case scenario of trying to get down and stalk over there or whatever is you didn't get them. So you would have not got them just by watching them or you would not got them by running them off or you like the third outcome is kill them. Right. So that, uh, that buck in the bean field out, out here was actually, it was a pretty cool story. Um, I had my, I was sitting in a box blind out here at the back end of my property here with my daughter. My daughter wanted to go hunting and it was not really the greatest conditions to be out there, but she wanted to go. So I took her out there and we weren't seeing anything. And the neighbors had kind of come up the property line. It was just kind of a shit show really. Well, I start, I'm looking out through the field out there and I'm glassing out through the field. And I just, I see a body probably three, 400 yards away out there, just kind of on a little, there's a little bit of a dip down there. I'm glassing and I just see this rack stick stand up 
and he was out there, like I said, three, 400 yards away, tending a doe. We'd watch him. We'd watch him for probably a half an hour. He'd get up, walk around a little bit, push it around. They'd both just lay back down. Um, and then, you know, with, with the beans being so short and then dry, I knew there was no way I was going to do that with my daughter. So I ended up, we left the blind, went back up to my house there, and I dropped her off. And uh, the wind was totally wrong from our, from where I had access up by my house. And the farmer behind me, actually, he'll let me hunt that field. So I went around the block and come back in from the north side. So I had the wind advantage. Um, and the entire time I'm doing this, my girlfriend's in our house with binoculars watching me come through the bean field, stock up on this buck. Um, so she's watching me do that. I come around the field and, you know, like I said, these, these beans were just super loud, but it was, luckily it was kind of breezy out. So the wind would blow a little bit and I'd take a couple steps and the wind would stop. I'd stop, sit there for five minutes. Wind would blow. I'd take a couple more steps. Um, I worked up to the kind of the top it was just a little bit of a roll he was on the other side and i got up the top where i could just peek up over the top there and i could see his rack sticking up and when it were from where i was i was directly downwind from him but he was staring right in my direction so i actually had to back out and come back around to the south more so he wasn't the way he was bedded he was looking right directly in that direction and i come around the other side and I got within 60 yards of him and I was on top of this, that little roll and I couldn't go anywhere else. The wind died down. I was just stuck there. So I'm, I'm down on my knees, just watching him, just waiting for him to do something. And, uh, the neighbors that have the property between the, our two chunks out there, they had seen him and they're in their blind. Well, they start rattling. So I'm down on my knees in this bean field and I hear them <laughs> rattling. I'm looking back and like, what in the hell is going on? And I turn around and look, and he's on his feet and coming at me. So I, I almost laid right down on my belly, and I had my, my bow on the ground in front of me. He got up to 40 yards, and I drew my bow laying down in the beans. And when he turned his head, I sat up and uh, shot him. So not only did my girlfriend watch the whole thing happen from the house, but the neighbors were in there blind watching, and they're like, where the hell did this guy just come from? <laughs> he's out in the middle of these freaking beans and just so. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And I've got, I've got the whole thing. I've got pictures from the blind. I've got pictures from the middle of the bean field. You can just see his rack sticking up. She's got pictures of me going across the bean field. And then I got pictures of me out in the bean field there after I shot him having a beer. <laughs> it was, it was a great night. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's awesome. Like I said, though, it, he's not the biggest buck by far that I've shot, but it was the, the best story. You know, it was, that was the best hunt that, you know, I, I love that hunt. It was great. It was fun. Oh, for sure. And, you know, forget about rack size or anything like that. It's it's about making memories, you know. So I, I'm sure that that's despite any other deer that you, you shoot or uh, that your daughter harvests on her own, um, she's not going to forget that day when yeah. – you, you know, she wanted to go hunting. I mean, and if, and if I was your daughter, I'd be like, my, I'm the reason my dad got that buck because he didn't even want to go hunt. <laughs> yep. And, and, that, and you know, you, you'd never live that down. And, yep. you know, it's, it's more about the memories and the, 
the the experiences that you have and that that's one of the things with all of this and and social media and blah 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 it 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 detracts from from that sort of stuff yeah you know that's yeah absolutely we and we've been you know we've been hunting with the kids quite a bit here this year um my son he's he just turned 15 he actually got his first deer with a bow this year and it was a big doe out back out here um my girlfriend's son is seven he shot his first deer with a rifle in the youth season out here so we've been hunting with the kids real hard this year so it, it's fun you know i mean we haven't got a lot of time in the woods there we've been hunting with them a lot but it's it's fun just being there and experiencing that with them and getting them into it oh yeah I'm, i mean i'm taking my daughter to the to our deer camp um after thanksgiving dinner here and you know I've, I took her hunting a, a couple of years ago. She definitely had, and she wants to pretend hunt all the time, but <laughs> it, getting her out there and getting her, I guess on, on task <laughs> at six years old, she's, you know, she's good for 45 minutes or so. And then it's yep. like, well, when the snacks run out and then it's <laughs> yep, not a joke exactly. that, that that's when all the snacks run out. Cause there isn't a, there's no time frame, but we're going up to, to our deer camp where there's the no internet and uh an outhouse <laughs> so <laughs> so we're gonna see how that goes my my wife is next level my, my wife is convinced that she's gonna be eaten by a bear but <laughs> I, I don't think that that's really a concern um but just getting them out there and getting them to experience that is uh you know more important and you know we you know we talk about Dan Infault and his hunting and, and all of that. But, you know, he's, he's pretty insightful in some of the stuff that he posts, like about humanity. And, and, you know, if you read his posts about people in the world, um, he says, most of the people that hunt, um, are a different kind of person than, than people you'd find that are in the city or, you know, have a different set of ethics or morals. Uh, I mean, there's lots of, pieces of shit hunters too um but i would say the majority of them um are are on a different level than non-hunters as far as kind of maybe i guess the way they were raised um yeah i would say yeah i agree i totally agree but yeah we're looking forward to that that's going to be uh i'm bringing my bow but with sitting with my daughter in the blind and all that we're gonna we're going to break out the old seven mag and see if we can't shoot anything that walks by just so she can track something and have a, have a cool, cool trip, but it's going to be funny either way. Oh yeah. But with the, uh, what's your bow setup that you're using for and arrows and all that? Well, this year I ended up buying a V3. So I got a V3 there, um, Maxima reds, um, and then I, I'm shooting Spitfires, then AP Spitfire broadheads. Um, I just, I was going to try to shoot like a, a single bevel broadhead, but I just, I don't have the, the time and the patience really to tune my bow for light, you know, and I, so I'm going expandables, but 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I just got this V3 this year. I'd all those things awesome. Now, how'd you end up on the, the Spitfires? I got to ask. So I've, I used to shoot, I've, I've shot everything. Oh, I shot rages for the last two years. Um, when that we would stop at max prairie wings and they had them on sale. So I bought two packs of rages and I've shot, I think five deer with them now. And it's, I've just kind of hit or miss. It seems like on the blood trail and I never really got the penetration that I wanted to on them that I used to with spitfires. Um, you know, some, some deer that I would shoot would, they'd only go 50, 60 yards and you would barely have a drop of blood and some deer you shoot would go, you know, like my, my Ohio buck last year, I shot him at 35 yards and he ran 20 yards behind me and piled up and you could see the blood trail from my tree stand the whole way. <laughs> so I just, I just kind of went back to what worked for me and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to take a shot at 40 yards at a deer, as long as it's not an alert deer and it's a good shot. And these, these things fly pretty good for me. So I just kind of went back to what I, what I had experience with and that worked good. Okay. Yeah. That's just, you know, with all of the fixed blade, heavy arrow, um, and it seems like if you're not shooting that, it's going to be rage or something, you know, so nap spitfire, you know, schwackers, whatever, like the, but yep. that, that one just, you don't hear too much about. So I'm just curious as to yeah. how you ended up there, but, uh, man, what a heck of a deer and a great, you know, I think good information for people and motivation, I would say. Like I said, going into an area, just knowing it's going to be good from e-scouting and then kind of putting the pieces together, um, hunting your way in, taking a couple couple days to to make it happen. I, I think that that's a great, you know, good information, um, you know, for for guys like myself, right, who, you know, we don't have the time to. Like I said, I've, I've been trying to get trying to make myself be more aggressive at times you know there, there's times for it there's times not like and i've you know I, like i said i have i have not shot a lot of big bucks but i've watched a lot of nice bucks walk out of my life and it's like man you know could i have shot i've got down and made a move on them don't do it so i've been just trying to do it and it's worked out pretty good a couple of times now so yeah yeah, and so you and your girlfriend have a uh, a page that you just started up as well, uh, I think this year. So uh, you want to tell everybody where they can check that out if they want to follow along with what you're doing? Yep, uh, Facebook and Instagram on there. It's called We Who Wander. Um, it kind of just follows some of our little adventures out here. And like I said, you know, everything that we do, right right from shed hunting, scouting, you know, fishing, we, we fish a lot. And uh, we do pretty much everything we do as a family. You know, we got all the kids love to do it. You know, they all got their own kayaks and we all fish together and hunt together and just do all of our little stuff there. So kind of document our adventures on the on the go. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come out and, uh, you know, talk hunting with me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, awesome. Awesome being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. All righty, sir.